what's important now is to be useful and relevant to people's lives. And if you're not those things right now, I think you will lose people's attention very, very quickly. Hello, and welcome to this very special episode of the FinTech Marketing Podcast. I'm Eric Fulweiler, Chief Marketing Officer of 11FS. Ordinarily, this show follows me on a mission to learn how the world's hottest fintech startups and most innovative financial service brands drive growth through modern-day marketing by interviewing the biggest and best marketeers in FS and fintech. However, given the situation that we're in in the world right now, it seemed only prudent that we discuss COVID-19 and the impact it's having not only on FS, but also on marketing overall, both within financial services and outside of financial services as messaging, tone, and approaches are all evolving at this time. So to dig into this, we're going with a round panel approach, not the usual one-on-one interview today. And we have three amazing guests joining us. We have Alex Freen, Head of Corporate Affairs at Starling Bank. Welcome to the show, Alex. I know you've been on the uh, new show that we've done before. Can you give our listeners a quick overview of your role at Starling, please? Yes. Hi, Eric. I'm glad to be here. I'm Head of Corporate Affairs at Starling, which means I look after our external communications. That's press, that's PR, that's uh, public relations, uh, public affairs rather, and uh, a little bit of everything else all over the bank. Amazing. And next up, Dubose Cole, Head of Strategy at VaynerMedia London. Thanks for joining us, Dubose. For the listeners at home, uh, Dubose and I actually used to work together during my time at Vayner, so I know him well. But for everybody else, can you please just give them a quick update on your role at Vayner? Perfect. Thanks for having me. So as Head of Strategy, my goal is really to kind of own the why behind uh, advertising and marketing that we create. Uh, why would something be effective? Why would consumers care? And uh, and how we really plan that for, for clients to make sure it's most effective. Amazing. And then uh, Leanna Brinded, head of Yahoo Finance UK, a regular on the FinTech Insider podcast, but a newcomer to this show. Leanna, thanks so much again for joining us. Can you give everybody a quick overview of your role at Yahoo Finance? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on again. So I head up editorial operations, everything from the content, the writing, the editing, strategy and so forth. But I work hand in hand with marketing, product, engineering, business development and so forth. So I'm a bit of everything, I suppose. Awesome. All right, so let's start the show. So obviously we're recording this remotely as everyone's work from home. So I'd like to just kind of start there and get people's thoughts on how are you finding remote working? How has it made a difference to your role, how you're working with your teams, what you're working on? Let's start with you, Alex. How has it been for you during this remote period? Well, I'm an office person. I'm very sociable, so I don't really like remote working, but it's working really, really well. We're doing lots of you know, video conferences with the team. Yesterday, we had a fancy dress video conference, so we were talking about very serious matters, but wearing ridiculous outfits. I think it's really, really important to keep touching base. What we found is that we are better informed about what everyone else in the team is doing now than we were before. It's really given a focus to our stand-ups doing them sitting down, I suppose. Amazing. It's interesting. I, I've certainly felt here at 11FS that we're busier, I think, but also just more focused than before. And I think whenever there's kind of external pressure on a team or on a business, I think it kind of brings that level of focus. So it's interesting to see how people are reacting, but I think that seems to be kind of a trend in general. You know, a number of people at Starling have have said, oh, it's like the early days. You know, when you're a startup, you have this frantic urgency. The current situation has rekindled that spirit, which has been great in keeping motivation up. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's also, for me, I think there's a difference in kind of the remote work, keeping the culture and the cohesion and the morale going for a two to three week period versus a nine to 11 week period or whatever it ends up being. So that's kind of the other thing for me is like, it's a, it's going to be not just a sprint, it's going to be kind of like a longer term thing that everybody has to deal with. So Dubose, how are things for you? How are things at, at VaynerMedia London? How are you finding the remote period? Well, it's certainly simplified my commute. <laughs> I think, uh, unless of an individual level, at an agency level, it's been intriguing because I think agencies normally thrive on collaboration. And I think a lot of the best ideas come from getting a lot of people in the room and really hashing out what the course of action should be. I think trying to recreate that on Zoom and on Hangout has been a bit of a challenge to start with. But I think as with everything, people kind of settle into a routine and learn how to use the, the medium in the best way possible. I think one thing I, I found at a, a strategist level is actually the thing you always struggle with is time to think. And I think one of the most interesting things about working from home is if you can kind of be regimented on making sure there's time for Zoom and then there's time for thinking. I, I found and I, I found with my team that, that a lot of great ideas have come out of that time to think and that sense of urgency you get from uh, trying to address a crisis for your clients. Yeah, yeah, I think discipline around time management is always a good thing, but being, being put in a different environment, you have to double down and really focus on that. Um, Liana, how are things for you? Well, I don't know if it's more saying about my personality. I mean, like I'm a very sociable person, but I think I've really, really liked being by myself at home, which I was very surprised about. But uh, just like the vice said, like less on an individual level, but I feel like myself, my team, my company, it, it, it sounds strange, but being kind of forced all into remote working has really shown um, that a lot of us have kind of geared up to this point. Um, myself, my team, the wider company, a lot of us have been, I suppose, in the digital media sphere for quite a long time. I've, majority of my career, it's been around or in digital media. So the, the ability and understanding and flexibility to be able to work from home or sitting on the floor or with like family in the background and things like that. I mean, I, it's been really heartening that everyone's adapted to it so quickly, but then I acknowledge that, you know, some of us have different privileges when it comes to it, i.e. having more room, not having children, um, not having housemates, that kind of thing. So I think it's been, um, I think, very amplifying for creativity right now, because whether it's the way we work, the way we communicate, the way we think about doing business, being forced into this kind of situation has forced innovation and creativity that I haven't seen for a long time. Yeah, it's. An, I mean, that seems to be consistent with a lot of people that we're talking to, and I, you know, everybody's obviously in their own situation. Some some better and some worse, but I think whatever it is, you got to kind of deal with what you have, you know, and try to take advantage where you can. So um, great. And I, and I should have said this before, but just to touch on it, because I think it's important. Um, this group that we've kind of pulled together is not just because we think y you all are great, but also because we wanted to have different perspectives on what's going on in marketing in our industry right now. So Alex kind of representing more of the brand side and what you're doing at Starling, Dubose representing the agency side at VaynerMedia. So sitting across a portfolio of a bunch of different clients in different sectors, but including FS. And then Leanna um, looking at things more through the lens of, of the media. So hopefully that'll foster some good discussion coming at it from different perspectives today. 
So uh, let's talk, let's drill in a little bit more on marketing and what has changed that you've seen either in what you're doing or what you've seen in the industry since the pandemic began. So um, Alex, let's circle back to you. So at Starling, how have you had to change, if at all, your approach to marketing, your tone, what you're offering, the channels that you're looking at? Like what's changed in the last four or five weeks for you at Starling? Well, when this all happened, we were in the midst of a big uh, brand marketing campaign with our TV ads uh, out of home. We were backing a load of events as well. So what we've done is we have massively scaled back the events and out of home. And we have changed um, and travel. Travel was a big part of our advertising. That's all gone. But we haven't actually pulled out completely. There's this big debate, you know, during a crisis, do you take your foot off the pedal or do you put your foot back down? We know that uh, brands that keep a presence during a crisis are the ones that rebound the quickest afterwards. So we, we've been sort of trying to find the right balance there. We have slightly re-edited our TV ad and we're going out with a new push on that ad uh, starting at the weekend, actually. So we haven't stopped that and we know where people are on social. We haven't really had to change our tone or our messages because we've always been very sort of honest and clear and plain and, and not very flashy. But I think What's important now is to be useful and relevant to people's lives. And if you're not those things right now, I think you will lose people's attention very, very quickly. So we have brought out a couple of products in really, really fast time. We brought out a, a connected card, which people who are self-isolating can give to the person that's doing their shopping for them. And it's very securely enables them to spend on the account holder's account. We've got m lots of love on that for doing that. It was a very practical product. We turned it around in 10 days. We were so proud. It's relevant. It's useful. We introduced check imaging so you can pay in checks just by taking a picture and submit it via the app. Again, it's relevant. It's useful now. And um, we introduced an interest holiday uh, on overdraft payments for people who are struggling. The, the FCA made us do it, but we introduced it before they made everyone do it. So that, that has been driving us is how can we stay relevant and useful? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, you know, I'd say that's smart and good marketing regardless of the times, you know, here at 11FS, we talk a lot about how can we add value to our audience through the marketing that we do. And granted, a big part of our, our business really, and certainly the marketing team is more of that media publisher type of approach with podcasts like these and video and social blog reports, all that stuff. But it is guided very much by that North Star of how do we add value? And I think you see more and more modern day marketeers thinking that way. But you just reminded me talking about the events and the sponsorship stuff that you're shifting around. Starling was was due to be an Olympic sponsor this summer, right? Yes. Yes. We were uh, backing Team GB. Yeah. That's great. Um, so obviously that's not happening, but everybody's kind of rolling with the punches right now and reallocating spend yeah. and focus and all that. Yeah. I mean, I would say, I would mention one, one challenge that we face as a bank is that there's been an awful lot of bank bashing um, and not helped at all by government ministers who have been quite aggressive towards the banking sector, I think. And it's payback time for the financial crisis. But as a bank that wasn't around during the financial crisis, we are still tarred with the same brush. So we haven't really taken a kicking yet, but it means we have to be super, super careful not to be part of that group that is being labeled as unhelpful, to, yeah. particularly to small business customers. For sure. 
So DuBose, would love to hear a little bit more about what you're seeing sitting in your seat as head of strategy at an agency here in London. So how's it going with existing clients? What kind of changes in general are you seeing? And from the market, are you seeing new or different types of requests? And how are you all dealing with that? I think it's it's the phrase everyone uses, but it's been an interesting and uncertain time. I think the the kind of belief you know I always have is the trick to strategy and the trick to advertising agencies in general is to go find uh, the biggest problem in the room and then attempt to solve it. And I think at the moment we're in a room full of problems. So I think uh, what we've attempted to do in the last few weeks and as we kind of move through this is kind of root everything back. And as we talked about before, what value you can provide what solutions you can actually create. I think the the biggest challenge, and you know, it, it's always one that's there, but I think even more so now, is to make sure that we see the world as the consumer sees it, not as we'd like the world to be. I think a lot of companies, when they put a foot wrong in marketing around the kind of the pandemic, they've assumed that the way they see the world and the, the way they would like the world to be is, is how consumers are experiencing it. And I think the the biggest thing we've done is try to provide an honest and clear view for all of our clients on what they can do and when they should deploy that. Because I, I think you know value changes daily on what we can do for consumers throughout this. And kind of keeping abreast of that and understanding when and where to act is really the most important thing. I think a, a lot of the requests we've gotten, it's interesting. I think uh, in the first few weeks of kind of the run-up to lockdown in the UK, We saw a lot of adaptation to campaigns that currently existed, understanding how we could still kind of carry on. I think a lot of brands, we started speaking with them, some proactively, some reactively, on uh, how they can either reconfigure their supply chain or how they can provide more functional support. I think as we've kind of gone into the last few weeks where things have lagged on a bit, I think there's been a lot of conversations on you can move more into a communications-based model. I think the kind of triaging in action was necessary in the first few weeks. I think as people have kind of gotten used to this kind of temporary routine they're doing in isolation, there's an opportunity to to be uh, wider in the way you act. You can kind of be more entertaining. You can provide novelty. Obviously, support is still necessary. But I think there's a, a lot more opportunities on the table. So a lot of what we're attempting to do is really just to keep that updated view on what the possibilities of actions are and then advising clients on which ones they should really go with at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I mean, coming back to this theme that seems to be consistent in a lot of these conversations about what's happening in the right way to deal with it. It's a lot of, you know, fundamental principles that are probably evergreen and good for any period of time. But like you were saying, or the way that it was processing in my mind is, you know, you need to have a plan, but you also need to be able to react and adapt quickly, particularly right now when things are changing so much week to week. You need to be able to know what you want to do, but then be flexible enough to change it if the circumstance and the context around the market that you're trying to reach is changing too. Exactly. I think it's interesting that all good advertising always adapts, all good marketing always adapts. It's just now we have to adapt faster than normal. I think the the great words of the the wonderful philosopher Mike Tyson once said, uh, no plan survives getting punched in the face. So it's back to the idea that at the moment, there's a lot more kind of disruption to plans, but it's just adjusting as always. Yep. Great. So Leanna, from a journalist perspective, how are you seeing marketing brands? Um, what's changing for you and in, in how either they're reaching out to you as a media outlet or just your commentary on what you're seeing in the FS industry from your seat? Well, I would say like the number one thing is like on the macro level, regardless of whether it's a fintech financial service or anywhere, is that when it comes to a crisis like this, when it comes to communications, marketing, advertising, it 
it's not just about um, the practicalities, like how can we help you and message that out. It's actually something with this, because it's a health crisis, that it's much deeper, more motive. And so the best practice way is just that, you know, all the other panelists or podcasters have talked about today, is trying to identify that balance between making sure there's a presence within this time in a mindful way, the right tone, and of course, showing how as a company through their marketing are going to help people through this while at the same time, you know, give an experience as well and, you know, keep that brand love going. So there has been a very kind of on a macro sense that kind of you can see that balance happening. The balance happening is, well, first of all, marketing kind of just stopped um, in a lot of ways, like any new existing ones. And that was very apparent because in the media, it was mostly being reported just about how much budgets have been cut. So more the practicality admin side. But what we have seen is that the companies that are doing marketing or advising their clients very well is um, communicating out in a much more emotive tone on how they're adapting quickly to the situation that's happening. And they are, as a company, as uh, people, they're with the end user. They are there with them along the way and they're going to be flexible as well. So what we've seen, some financial services doing it well, some not so much, but responding very quickly to the daily or weekly, I suppose, changes in terms of whether it's regulation, whether it's financial measures that are coming down from the government and all the things that Alex was saying where there's a lot of changes happening in government where they talk about um, these financial measures to help the end user. But of course, banks still need to kind of put in those plans of how they're going to enact it. And it may not be overnight, but there needs to be the messaging to come out at some point, but in a positive way. So I do think financial services and fintechs have a unique challenge within this crisis because if for example a tangible example the government says that they're going to give mortgage holidays or everyone has to have mortgage holidays banks understandably can't just overnight change absolutely everything there has to be a strategy there has to be the infrastructure there has to be the messaging that goes out in the most mindful way and sometimes it may not be seen as fast enough so what we're seeing now in the last I suppose, couple of weeks compared to the onset of the crisis is a more flexible, agile, steady flow of marketing coming out that absolutely didn't happen at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Another another concept that's that's always so important, but particularly now is, is speed, right? And being able to kind of get to market quickly uh, with that ever-changing message as you adapt to the way that things are going. So some good threads in there. So um, let, let's pick up on something that you mentioned, Lana, for the next section here of some, you're seeing some companies, some brands doing it right and some brands maybe not doing it so right so far. So let's open this up and kind of have a more general conversation about, so what does good look like right now for marketing and financial services and how are brands, or if you want to talk about a specific brand, uh, how are they getting it right? What's good? And then of course, we'll talk about the other side of the coin, what's not not looking good and what is what does bad look like right now as well. But starting with the positive, what does good look like right now and who's doing it well? Who has thoughts on that? Well, I, th I think a very early and very, very simple thing that I saw with MasterCard, which we all recognize the red and orange circles they have as their logo. They just, I saw uh, an ad where they just separated the two in the same way that McDonald's did a, a McDonald's arch and separated the two 
parts of the M and just a lovely little visual reinforcement of social distancing. Um, I thought that was very classy. That's clever. Yeah. There's always room for even little kind of creative things like that, that, that just make you connect, I guess, with the brand in a different way. Uh, Dubose, I think you would have thought. Yeah. I, I think good in this kind of age is, is I think it's always effective. But I think it, more so than ever, it also has to be useful. I think it's interesting, the social distancing uh, kind of logo redesigns, because I, I think within kind of the industry, I think we get really excited about them. I think the question for me is what else backs them? Because I think when you look at, at the same time that kind of McDonald's was separating their arches, that MasterCard was separating its logo, you have LVMH making hand sanitizer with its factories. You have BrewDog attempting to do the same thing. Uh, Burberry were reconfiguring their supply chain to make gowns and PPE for hospital staff. And I think it's the intriguing thing is neither of those kind of categories or activity are necessarily wrong. I think it's just certain things are more right at the right time. And I think especially at the time when everyone was talking about social distancing, I think the question on consumers' minds was more, what are you going to do? Not what are you going to say? I think we've now moved into a period where I think the the kind of logo redesigns are probably more appropriate. I think you look at a Ikea released a version of their catalog that was also a coloring book. So for the the perfect Venn diagram of eight-year-olds that also want to buy bookshelves, it's a golden age. But I, I think it's that type of thing where there, there's still a tangible support, but there's more of a playful tone about it. And I think brands that kind of understood there were times for kind of an emergency triage and times for kind of a bit of playfulness later on, I think are really getting it right. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to pick up on that. I mean, what's really heartening is seeing that this really good balance of the practicality and physical support from brands, but at the same time, that kind of playful turn on logos. I know that one of the ones that really stood out to me was the Guinness campaign, where everyone knows what a pint of Guinness looks like. And that it's just this sublime change of just separating the foam part that turns into a couch and with the black and white showing that you're sitting at home isolation, but at the same time, you've got this brand that's there, you're probably going to have a drink at home. Things like that are very, very simple and hit to that kind of human messaging of what the reality of being at home is about. And, you know, being at home, you're not suddenly going to not be adopting any of those brands. You're probably more than ever in some cases because you can't leave the house, right? But then at the same time, all the brands across the world, whether the LVMH is making hand sanitizer and gowns to, um, you know, I'm going to talk about uh, our parent company like Verizon Media, where they donate millions upon millions of advertising space to mental health related uh, charities, things like that. It's brands trying to find ways to be a force for good at the same time of letting people know that they're in it with them. And I think that's, you know, more than unprecedented because a health crisis is very, very different to a financial crisis. So the practicality side is something that I haven't seen for, I suppose, decades, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, um, you know, looking at some of the examples that we have here in the show notes, you have Nationwide's Voices campaign at, at TV ads discussing what they people would say to themselves in things, the six months, which I think is interesting. Tide sending out, out an email with advice for SMEs here in the UK. So you kind of have, it's kind of like what you were saying, Dubose. There's, um, there's the, you can try to add real value and you can also try to add value through entertainment or creativity or whatever it is. And that is value in a sense, but of course there's kind of the action and then there's the more communication side of it. And I think it's, it's interesting, right? Because I think you could, on the one hand, you could say that, well, 
you know, marketers don't actually have a role in a fashion company shifting their production to something else. But on the other hand, if you think of the role of marketing as not just producing communications externally, but in being the voice of the customer internally, I think the brands that have the strongest marketing are the ones where marketing is actually much more integrated with the product. So maybe there is an opportunity for marketers out there, not just to be thinking about the communications, but also thinking about, is there an impact? Is there something that the business can actually be doing as well? And I think to that point, it, it's only going to become more important as we go from kind of uh, isolation through to kind of a return to going out into the world. I think it was interesting looking at a, a BMW in China released an ad last week as they were starting to ease the restrictions that was uh, talking about blue skies are coming back. I think it's the kind of colloquial nickname for the brand in China. And it was interesting because it, it just sat there talking about kind of an optimistic view of the world again. And I think it, it's intriguing to that point of real kind of tangible action versus what communications can provide. Because I think at the right time, communications can be just as powerful as tangible action. But I, I think it, it's just flighting that in the right way. And I think we're going to see a, a lot more brands as we kind of come into the next phase of this, try to figure out how they can kind of once again switch to an action mode and support and minimize disruption in consumers' lives as they start to go outside of their homes again. Because I think you know, we'd all agree it's probably not going to be over overnight once they kind of ease the lockdown. That's probably a two to three month period. And, and waiting for the vaccine is probably another four to five months. So I think there'll be an ongoing kind of set of problems and challenges that brands can kind of orient their comms toward. Yeah, exactly on that. I mean, when it comes to marketing, I actually think, you know, putting spend aside or any of those parts, I think marketing during a crisis is actually one of the core functions that any company can have right now. I mean, beyond anything, it's not just about the communication side, but it's also identifying as to both and um, Alex both saying how, you know, you need to have that insight into the user, into the company, and then communicate that out. And more than ever, when people are relying on communications, are relying on visuals to help guide them in their little, you know, pod and bubble, that would be needed more than ever. And when it comes to identifying that message, that content, it's also about the way people are consuming it as well. And marketing, I've seen have the more in tune and more connected they are with all the other functions, um, the better the messaging has been. Because just giving an example, there's been changes in the way people have adopted, you know, content and communications over even just the last month. Newsletters, for example, have had a huge boon. You wouldn't think so. You probably think, you know, people watching TV more and listening to podcasts. Newsletters has been the biggest one. So people, when they see they're getting their messaging out or people engaging with brands, it's actually in something very old school versus something, you know, crazy new. So things like that, only marketing can really identify. Yeah. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, I totally, I, I, lo I love a good newsletter, actually. And I, I've, I actually have loved getting them. But, but I would like to say something which possibly everyone else on this podcast will disagree with. But I think that we will look back on this as being a remarkable marketing achievement for the government. I think ministers have messed up a lot of the communications around the health messages. But I think the stay at home message and these TV adverts where they are pointing out, where they cut to all the NHS workers working really hard to save people in different situations. The lockdown has been successful. I know there are, have been some notable exceptions, but pretty much people are staying at home 
And we haven't had to introduce martial law to enforce it. People are obeying the rules. I go to the supermarket, people stand at a distance. And I think those NHS ads asking people to stay at home for the sake of the NHS have been very, very successful. And they make me quite emotional when I say I love a good cry at an ad. And I, I do feel very moved by them. And they're, they're slightly amateurish in the way they've filmed and cut together, which I think makes them, if they, if they were too slick, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be quite as powerful, I think. It is, a, you know, it took them a while to get it up and running, but it is a true omnichannel campaign. I will say that. I mean, I've gotten the text, I've gotten the email, I've gotten the direct mail. I've seen it as a banner ad on like Amazon Prime and LinkedIn. So they are just blanketing the UK with that message. And um, I think it's also interesting how they've tied it to the NHS, which I'm sure was intentional and super smart. Because if you just say, stay at home, versus stay at home to save lives and support the NHS. I think that's much more compelling and probably a lesson that can be applied to um, to any industry or any type of marketing. Make sure that there's that, like you said, Alex, that emotional connection with your audience, not just the rational one. That's a really good point on the government one because one of the biggest things if we look from a marketing level across countries is, as an example, the difference that you really need to know the audience, right? Because with the NHS campaign at Stay at Home, it's vastly, vastly different to a lot of the government advertising in the other countries across Europe. Um, I mean, it, it just shows that you really, really, really need to know regionally how to tap into that emotion. Because in, um, I can't remember whether it was either Germany or it was, uh, or maybe at France, but their advert to get people to stay at home wasn't an emotive one. It was these ball bearings, and you imagine dropping it. And if it was all clustered together, it was trying to demonstrate how social distancing works. And if you don't do it, the spread. And it was a very practical, very simple, no emotion, but this is the facts. And that was lauded, I think, was one of the most powerful adverts across Europe. And then, but then you look at what we do in the UK and it's much more in tune with what's the DNA of a British person. It's the NHS, it's workers and things like that. So yeah, no, that's, it's a really good point. I just wanted to like add on to it. Yes. It's good marketing, right? It starts with a, a deep and full understanding of your audience and then finding a creative way to connect with them and, and putting it out through the right channels. So let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about the other side of the coin. How are brands getting it wrong during this time and any specific examples that people are seeing? So, you know, I think there's stuff out there with people pushing pre-planned content without reviewing it in the light of changes, maybe earlier on at the beginning of the crisis, pushing sales messaging and direct response too aggressively, maybe being too um, business-centric and talking about their business as opposed to what's going on in the lives of their consumers. But who wants to pick up on that and where brands are getting it wrong during this time? Well, I don't know if any of you noticed uh, yesterday, but uh, th this isn't financial services. But it makes a point that marketing isn't just about your actual marketing. It's about every, all your comms as a company and everything that, that people see of you. And the chief people officer at Just Eat got absolutely slaughtered for doing a, a post on social media saying, oh, this morning we've launched the Just Eat Power Hour. And basically, they were allowing their employees to stop for a lunch break. And they were calling it a power hour, which was, and she got absolutely slaughtered on social media for, you know, oh my God, is it so revolutionary that you allow people to have a, a lunch break? And you call it the power hour, which implies that they, they've got to be doing something powerful while they're eating their sandwich. And um, I think the message got, got taken down. And it goes to what DuBose was saying about the timing. Over time, you've got to get your messages right. But I felt a bit sorry for them because I think she was trying to do a good thing. 
but it was perceived as being tone deaf. And in all of our comms, we've got to make sure that it's not just our marketing, it's all of our customer comms, all our outward facing comms. We've got to get the right tone, the right wording, and not think that we're being very generous by allowing our people to take lunch. I mean, I, I think to that point, it's always interesting when we talk about advertising that doesn't work, because I always, I, I, I commiserate with whoever that person is that sat somewhere and was very excited about it, and then it went wrong. And I think, you know, it, it goes back to that point that no one sets out to be the bad guy. Everybody probably comes with the, the best of intentions in every campaign they're making. But I think at the moment, without pulling out exact examples, I think, you know, the stuff we're seeing that doesn't work is the stuff that just exists in isolation. Or it's the stuff that thinks the rules of the game have changed just because people are under crisis. Yes, people are worried. Yes, we've seen from the success of the government campaigns that clarity and kind of a repetitive message that provides value is useful. But people are still people. And at the end of the day, you know, they are going to take a message like Power Hour and then go, wait a minute, isn't that just a lunch break? I think you know, those expectations are still there. So I think always kind of going, what would have worked normally? And then how do we need to change it so that it can work in this kind of extraordinary circumstance has to be the base criteria for everything. And I think it, it, it just all goes back to the idea that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And I think it, it, it just constantly asking yourself that until there's the right time to do something is just the way to avoid the, those kind of snafus. Well, I think it's also, if you look at the history of botched or unsuccessful marketing campaigns, one of the red threads throughout all of them, I'm sure, is just the perspective was too narrow. It was somebody who swore that they knew the answer, or you had a team of creatives that nobody was actually the target audience. So I think that that's, um, you're always vulnerable if the perspective on what you're trying to bring to market is too narrow and doesn't include the right empathy and understanding of your audience. I think to that point about empathy, you know, one of the things we're seeing that, that I think a lot of brands are taking advantage of to do well, and uh, a lot of the bad examples we could point to are probably ignoring, is a sense of humility and empathy. I think a, a sense that this is difficult. Like, we don't have to have all of the answers right away. Sometimes saying you're just working towards it or trying to take a sense of collective action with consumers, with other brands, has to be the way forward in this. Because I think you know, if you come with a realistic tone and you acknowledge that this is a bit of an iterative process to kind of support society in this difficult time, I think you avoid a lot of the mistakes that, that we're seeing from some brands right now. Yeah, I mean, I would say that anything that is too narrow and seems too privileged automatically would go down like a lead balloon because at the end of the day, like everyone on every different part of society, it's health crisis. People want to survive right now. They need basic needs. They want to know how to sort out their finances. They want to know how people are going to help them in this time. And they want to know how can I get through the next week, the next month, you know, keep their job, all those kind of basic needs first. So in a similar way, I hate calling that so proud because you just know there's someone there that's like, I have the best idea. <laughs> and then you just like, oh God, they're probably like keeping themselves now. But um, the ones that have fallen really flat or has caused, you know, stir in the media or has been, yeah, just like the Just Eat example, is when it seems so ivory tower or so privileged or so tone deaf to what the general, you know, gen pop is, general public, that whether it's exercise firms in particular, like trying to have the images and creatives is like suddenly working from home is going to like transform your life when people like, 
I need to know how I'm going to buy my food tomorrow kind of thing. Um, that has been, I suppose, the worst, but I think that has died a little bit. And in terms of whether it's press releases coming through um, on our side or um, seeing pictures, it's, to be honest, the ones that are pre-canned, the ones that you just know, they're just trying to try and trying someone to cover or push out, but seems like it's in a bubble, like in a vacuum, like the, the coronavirus hasn't happened that's when the communication has been bad. And unfortunately, that does have a lasting, you know, whether from a journalist's point of view or whether from a user's point of view, that stays longer than something that does well. So it's always like, what's the worst case scenario before you put something out and are you willing to risk it? I mean, that would be what I'd say as an observation. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of risk there because one bad campaign or one bad social post will be top of mind and be what people remember much more than five or six decent or pretty good ones. Um, so, so we're up on time, um, but I think that was, that was a fascinating conversation. So I want to thank everybody for taking the time today. Um, I'd love to just let you each kind of give a, a quick shout out to let our audience know where they can find out more about you um, and your businesses. So Alex, let's start with you. Where can our audience find you? Well, you can find the Starling Bank app on your phone, so download it now if you don't have it. We're at starlingbank.com, and you'll find me on Twitter uh, at Freeney. Great. And Dubose? Uh, the great thing about having a really weird name is I'm incredibly easy to find. So uh, just Dubose Cole, one word, on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. And as far as VaynerMedia goes, uh, uh, check out our website and also VaynerMedia London on uh, Instagram and LinkedIn. Amazing. Leanna? Uh, jumping on the weird name club, um, Liana Brindage. You can find me the same at Liana Brindage on Twitter, on LinkedIn, Instagram, and so forth. And our website, you can go, it's uk.finance.yahoo.com, or you can download the Yahoo Finance app. Great. So that wraps up today's special edition of the FinTech Marketing Podcast. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. If you want to find out more about 11FS, you can always find us at 11FS.com or you can email the team here at podcasts at 11FS.com. Please do uh, subscribe if you haven't already to the FinTech Marketing Podcast and leave us a review. And of course, let us know your thoughts. Always love to hear suggestions and ideas uh, from our audience and community. So we'll have more episodes coming out to fill out the rest of season one very soon. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Have a great day.